Are you ready to take your real estate investing business to the next level? Well, you're in the right place. This is the Real Estate Investing Morning Show. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. With your mentors, Wayne and Gabby. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Morning Show. Today is... Thursday, July 7th. Thursday, July 7th. Looks like we're going to have a little bit of rain today. High of 22 degrees in the Edmonton area, if that's where you're from. Um, you going to be okay? <laughs> <laughs> Gabby. Uh, Gabby's here for us. Um, you know, just support. Um, <laughs> we're broadcasting live on, otherwise this would have been edited out. Uh, we're broadcasting live on the Podbean app as we do every morning, uh, uh Monday through Friday, uh, 6am mountain time. Uh, the only live real estate investing morning show, right? Yeah. For, yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, you can join in live. You can join in on the chat here. You can get everybody saying good morning and ask some you know, I like the little conversations that, uh, that, that I like, they see, you know, in the morning while we're talking, mm -hmm. you know, there's little conversations going on in the chat box here. Plus there's a call-in button. You can click the call-in button. You can ask any question about real estate investing for free. Every morning we will answer. It's, uh, it, it, it's a whole lot of fun. Unless of course you drank too much wine last night. Oh, then it's not fun. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, I'd, I'd say... Um, if you weren't here, I'd probably be complaining myself, but you know, I don't want to one up you. Um, yes, I drank a little bit more wine than Wayne did. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> I mean, did you have a good time? I had a wonderful time. Yeah. It was our anniversary yesterday, 10 year anniversary. So we, uh, went out to our favorite restaurants and, and, uh, our favorite server served us too much wine. <laughs> Smashed too many bottles of wine. Um, brought one home as well. And Gabby <laughs> drank some more at home. Uh, so it was a good. It was a good night. Was a really good night. It was a five-hour dinner. Yeah. Okay, no yawning on the show. Oh, sorry. Jesus. Um, we got there at what? Like just after four. We were the first first people at the restaurant. Yeah. They opened at four. <clears throat> yeah. And. We got home like after 10. Yeah. Yeah, it was a long, a bit of a long night. It was really nice. The weather was really nice. Not too, not too sunny, not too hot. Um, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, but thank you so much, Gabby, for dragging your butt. You're um, welcome. Uh, to the show. I, uh, it, it's difficult to do uh, a podcast by yourself, uh, especially this format, right? Mm -hmm. Um. So that's all I'm expecting from you, as we discussed, is a couple of mm hmms and, a, and a, oh, yeah, for sure, uh, from time to time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So when sure. you do that, okay. yeah, I'm just going to sip my coffee. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> oh, boy. Jeremy's got questions already. Um uh, in the chat there. Yeah, guys, if you guys have any questions, feel free to um, click the call-in button and we will definitely answer them. A um, couple upcoming events. 
uh, you know what I didn't do yesterday? I didn't uh, I didn't post Friday live trainings topic. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> for sure. Okay. okay, now you're just fucking no. with me. <laughs> that was really an oh yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 To, no. Like today's Thursday. People want to know what they're going to learn about. We just got a little busy yesterday. We were dealing with a couple things, and then uh, no, what did I do? No, you well, no, you know what we did? No, yeah, we did. Went out for breakfast. Yeah, that's what we did. Mm-hmm. Uh, we drove over to Edmonton and went out for breakfast. That's that's why I didn't post it. Um, you know, but there's there's important lessons in there, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> what kind of lessons? <laughs> Don't go out for breakfast. No, I think that um, make first things first. Yes. Right? We could have absolutely, you know. Our love was numero uno yesterday. Okay. <laughs> I concur. Um, yeah, it's um, real estate investing is, is cool and stuff. And we talked all about a little bit yesterday all about like, you know, focusing on your goals and constantly growing as well but it's it's also about just you know experiencing and, and and spending time with the people that you love as well um i think that people i think people aim a little too high sometimes with their goals and they don't really focus on what's most important right and that's you know connecting with the ones that you love and and doing the things that you want to do and the ability to be able to just say you know what fuck it i'm not posting that Facebook event right now, or I'm not responding to those four emails that I got written down here today. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to, you guys want to go for breakfast? I'm yeah. going out for breakfast and then coming home for a little bit and then uh, crashing uh, four bottles of wine. <laughs> yeah. Do you need to go? Like, <laughs> because I, I, I appreciate, I appreciate the sound bits. Um, but at the same time, you, you, you falling off the desk is, is just <laughs> extremely distracting. Okay. You, you go. That's good. Um, yeah. So I, I, I think it's, yeah, you're making this fucking difficult. <laughs> um, a few questions in here guys, but guys, like seriously, like, I don't want to keep reading questions from the chat. You got to call in, right? You want your questions answered. You got to call in. Yeah. You got to be vulnerable. That's, that's the, that's the deal. Um, there is some questions that I have left over from, uh, uh, an individual that emailed uh, a few weeks back. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Cause I, I had someone reach out to me and she's like, Oh yeah, I, I can't call in because well, I live on the, on the West coast. And unfortunately, it's very early, very early show starts at five o'clock, which I can totally understand. So for anyone that's on the West Coast, feel free to email your questions in uh, to info at reimorningshow.com and uh, we'll get through them. Um, otherwise, if you guys are joining in live and you don't want your questions answered, click the call in button. OK, um, it's too hard to keep up with the chat, you know, because there's too many conversations and stuff like that. Too many likes going on. Just, it's hard to keep scrolling while I'm talking. Um, uh, to, to, to see the questions that are coming on. So please call in if you got questions. Um, <clears throat> the question that, uh, so we, sorry, we said Friday live training. I'll get that posted today. Um, uh, I'll let you guys know what's going on for mm-hmm. live training tomorrow in our real estate investing masters Facebook group. But back to this question. Um, I think it's the last one that's, that's left from this email. Wow. Yeah. We finally got through it. Only this, took us a couple weeks. Uh, well, this email was sent on June 20th. Oh, <clears throat> So thank you for your patience. Um, but it was, like I said, eight questions that were all completely different topics. 
So that's seven, 17 days ago, 30 oh, days I, in I, June, I don't 7th of July, 17 days ago. Something like that. Um, the question that came up was, how do you answer the question? What happens to the money if I, what happens to the money I loan to you when you go bankrupt? Mm. Oh, good one. <laughs> Save the best for last. <laughs> yeah, that's a getter. Um, so my assumption here uh, about this question is that, okay, because there's, there's just two different ways, you know, in real estate investing to, for someone to quote unquote invest their funds. And one way is through a jo- what's called the joint venture. And a joint venture is when typically one party brings the money and one another in financing and the other party brings uh, the expertise. Okay. And then a standard joint venture in real estate investing is a 50, 50. So 50% of the profits um, for each person. And before the, the, the profits are split, um, the money investor, the money partner, the one that brought the down payment and the uh, reserve fund, or the one, the partner that brought the renovation money, if it's a flip, that person gets their money back first. And then the remaining proceeds, the profits are split accordingly, depending on, you know, the arrangement in the joint venture agreement. Like I said, though, it's normally 50, 50. So that's, that's the one way. And then the other way is through like a money loan. Okay. Um, and that loan can be like a second mortgage. That loan could be, uh, that loan could be secured or unsecured. Mm-hmm. Okay. And this is where it, it really depends on the situation that's going on because if this question is related to joint ventures, it's a very simple, easy answer. But say, for example, what happens to the money I loan to you when you go bankrupt? See, that's a loan. So I'm going to answer the question as if it was a loan and yeah. not a joint venture. So if you're asking someone to, to lend you money or to loan you money, um, it depends on whether it's secured or unsecured. If you're saying, hey, man, I need $50,000 for the reno- my renovation on this flip, and I'll give you a 10% return, and they say, okay, and they write up a promissory note, and the promissory note says, I, Gabby, lend you, Wayne, $50,000 at a yearly rate of return of, or yearly interest rate of 10%, um, to be returned no later than six months from now with interest only payments monthly. Pretty simple stuff, but it's just a piece of paper, right? It's a piece of paper that is enforceable in in any court of law, right? Depending on whatever province you're in, it's enforceable. However, the, the question that this, this potential lender has is that what happens if you go bankrupt? Am I going to get my money back? And this is where security would, would, would save you from that, right? If you had security. So what you would want to do is you would want to have that promissory note attached to some, uh, a property or an asset or something like that. So that in the events that the person didn't 
pay the monthly payments or the, in the event the person didn't pay the money back, it would be attached to something of value so that, you, you know, you could foreclose on that loan mm-hmm. and then go after the asset in order to recoup your losses. Right. Yeah. So when, when there's no security on it, it's just like, you know, you'll take them to court and then, you know, they'll, you know, there'll be a judgment against you and, and they'll be able to pursue you for the money, you know, based off of going after your assets or collections, whichever else. Um, but there's, there's no immediate security that you know, that you have this, this loan tied to. So say, for example, <clears throat> if you want to borrow the money, but you did it in the form of a second mortgage, so say, for example, if you had a bunch of equity in your home and you wanted to borrow that $50,000 from your friend, instead get them, you know, if they're concerned about something like this, then, then do a second mortgage as opposed to a promissory you note know, or an unsecured uh, loan. The second mortgage will be attached to the equity that you have in the property, meaning that if you do not pay the money back, they can go after the home, right? They can they can foreclose on you and make you, you know, take possession of the property, which is a little complicated. We don't need to really get that far into it. Um, we had a really good conversation with Barry McGuire about this last Monday um, or this past Monday. Um, but I'm not going to go into the details of foreclosure and how all that all works, but um, they would be able to liquidate the property, get the proceeds from the sale and then pay themselves back what's owed. Right. So that's what would happen in the event of quote unquote bankruptcy. But these types of questions, I mean, you can set it up for success. You can have it in the form of a second mortgage on a, or a first mortgage on a property that's paid off. It doesn't really matter. Like, okay, let's, let, here's a best case scenario, right? Here's a best case scenario for that, an answer for that you know, particular person. I've got a property that's worth $500,000. I have no mortgage on it. It's free and clear title. I will put your $50,000 more uh, loan on that property in first position. So this is like the best possible way for them to, to secure their, uh, their, their, their loan with security. I still feel like if someone's asking this kind of question, they're still going to feel unsure. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, I don't feel like if, if someone's asking this question, they quite clearly that what they're lacking is, is two things. Uh, education. Okay. Education on how this actually works. And two, trust. Because if they trusted you, they would never ask that question. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> We did a uh, did a little um, workshop here a couple weeks ago. It was uh, it was called building your REI brand, mm-hmm. and I said uh, before that workshop that after the workshop, I would be referring to that workshop <laughs> continuously whenever there was questions relating to it, and that right there is a prime example of how having a good reputable trustable brand would never get a question like that yeah because they would never ever assume or imagine that you would ever go bankrupt well you wouldn't be approaching people they would be approaching you Mm -hmm. and when people approach you 
they're not asking what happens when you go bankrupt. They're saying, how can I get in on this? How yeah, can exactly. I invest with you? Because it's uh, there's no there's no like, oh, my God, what happens at this? What happens at that? It's like, take my money. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's and, and trust is everything in this game. Because it's a valid question. Like, what happens? I'd like to know. I would like to know in the events that things didn't go right with you. How am I going to get my money back? That's a legitimate question for someone asking, mm-hmm. you know, sorry, that's as someone that's, that's considering lending money to you. That's yeah. a completely legitimate question. Please tell me how I can be, how I can ensure how, please assure me on how it is that in the event that things do not go as planned, that I am going to get my money back. Yeah. Right. And like I said, Best case scenario would be that, hey, I've got a property, it's completely paid off, free and clear, and I'm going to put your $50,000 loan on it um, in first position. It's worth $500,000. Your loan's only fifty. dollars Guaranteed if I sell that thing, even if I sell that property at $100,000, a goddamn fire sale, you're still going to get your $50,000. Right? That would make me feel very confident, but... someone who's um, unsure of this whole process, someone who's uneducated on it, someone who doesn't trust you um, is still, even with that is still going to feel uncomfortable about it. Mm-hmm. Feel like they just don't quite have enough assurance, but sometimes they need to see that it works. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> sometimes they need to see that. Okay. And that I, maybe you posted a bunch of content over the last three years about all the people that your partners that you worked with or, you know, people that you borrowed money from, or perhaps they've watched you for the last three years and they've seen all the different, you know, investment properties that you bought or, or fix and flips that you've done or rent to owns that you've done that right there. It's just building trust with them. And, and you don't really have to even tell them. You just show them, right. Mm-hmm. Show them that you're the type of person that knows what they're doing. Right. When someone walks into a financial advisor's office or a bank and say, hey, I've got you know, $200,000 or $50,000 in savings, I'd like to invest it. Do they ever ask the question, what happens to the money that I put in here if it goes away? No, it's because they trust the bank. They trust TD Canada Trust. Listen, even though the trust even, is right in the word. Yeah. <laughs> even though they tell you about all of the risks. <laughs> right. You're still like, yeah, let's do it. Because a lending institution has already established amazing trust because, well, I mean, they got lots of money. They must know what they're doing. That That is literally what 20 year olds think. Mm-hmm. Right. I say that because I was 20 at, at some particular point. And I walked into a bank and said, I want to start investing. I'm going to put, you know, X amount of my paycheck away every week or bi-weekly. And, uh, and I'd like to have it in, you know, go automatically into this. And they talked about, okay, do you want like a balanced portfolio? Do you want an aggressive portfolio? And I'm like, oh, aggressive. Let's make as much money as possible. And then Gabby would be like, oh, well, you know, we should definitely, you know, just make sure it's a little balanced too. And okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I know exactly what we should be putting your money into. I think back to moments like that and and then like a question like this or like, you know, where someone's, you know, lending money um, and getting a 10% return on their money. 
and how it's secured to a piece of property so that their 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 loan is almost almost guaranteed safe. Yeah. Right. And yet someone would still have, you know, a little uncertainty about it. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, it's an extremely safe investment yeah. compared yeah. to walking into TD Canada Trust and asking for a semi-aggressive portfolio. Like, what does that even mean? Oh, yeah, we're going to put your money into uh, to American stocks. They're doing really well right now. Um, some American stocks, a little bit of overseas stuff, which, you know, I think you're going to get a, that, that's, that's, that's where it's going to, that's where you're going to get your, uh, get your real returns. And that's where we take a little bit of risk, you know, nothing's guaranteed, but that's where you're going to see, you know, over the next couple of years, really start getting some good returns of like 6%, but it's not guaranteed. Not guaranteed, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, um, a little off topic, but. You know, when someone asks you a question like that, the, the best thing that you can do is educate them, okay? And don't sit them down with a whiteboard or a, a slideshow and, and, and try and explain it to them about how it all works. It's all about building a brand, okay? And building a brand as a reputable investor. You know what that means? Does everyone understand what that means? Building a brand as a reputable investor? Like maybe I say it too quickly sometimes and people don't really understand what this. That means that you are building a reputation as someone that people can trust. So that your aunts and uncles don't ever ask you the question, what happens to the money I loan to you when you go bankrupt? Because there's just no possibility of that in their eyes. Mm-hmm. You've had all these wins so far. Why would things change right now? But even if they did, they want to know that you're the type of person that knows how to handle a situation like that and how to make sure the loans are paid back. Right? That's 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 what building a reputable brand is all about. Mm-hmm. So when they ask you the question, you say, well, actually, it's going to be secured to this property over here. There's more than enough equity in here. And, and when the property, even if something was to happen, which I, I assure you it won't, uh, what would happen is we would liquidate this property. Okay. We would I pay out my first mortgage because there's enough equity there. And then I, we would have your outstanding loan there as well with the remaining uh, proceeds from the sale. Um, those proceeds would go towards paying out your loan. I assure you it's safe. And they'd be like, oh, okay. Right. But if they don't trust you and there's no reputation there, then they're going to be like, Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I, I guess I'm still going to think about it. I, yeah. I just something doesn't feel right about it. How often do you? How often do you guys hear that? Just, yeah, I, I think it's good. I just something just doesn't feel right about it. Feel something doesn't feel right about it. You're trying to talk logic with them. Here it is. You just asked the question. I gave you a logical answer that clearly outlines exactly what's going to happen and you don't feel good about it. You don't feel like it's safe. So that's attached to their emotions on it, right? Yeah. And their emotions are telling them that they don't quite 100% trust the words that are coming out of your mouth, even though it's there and like it's in ink. They can see the slideshow. They can see the, the printout. They can Google it. They can ask, whomever 
their lawyer or their accountant, whichever other investors, it's all right there. It's clear that is what happens, but they still don't quite feel like it's right. And for some reason they feel like it would be safer to put it into a balanced portfolio with TD Canada trust, some investment. You're starting to understand like how these feelings are getting in the fucking way. So, so like, so, so, so Wayne, so Wayne, does that mean I just need to like post one piece of content every day? So you're saying like, if I post one Facebook picture every day of just like me doing real estate, that people are people, uh, that's how I build a brand. No. God, like it is not that simple. Like you, you need to be very intentional. It's a, we did a full day course on it for God's sake. And we barely scratched the surface. In my opinion, it was very valuable. Everybody got a, every, they you know their, their money's worth, but it is not that simple. Like you seriously, like if you, if you want people to come to you and want to invest their money with you and trust you, you got to put the legwork in. And that is a lot more than truth posting a piece of content every day posting a piece of content every day is a great fucking start yeah it's better than nothing i think that if you can just post a picture of what it is that you're doing or a video of what it is that you're doing at the very least your aunts and uncles and your friends and your coworkers can see that it is you're doing something related to it right it's better than them being like, wait a second, what? You invest in real you estate? You invest in real estate? What does that mean? What do you mean? You're a, you're, what are you, a realtor? And you're like, no. I told you last reunion. I buy real estate and I, I fix it and I sell it for profit. God, why don't you remember? Well, it's because you don't, you don't tell them. You got to show them every day. So again, I mentioned it before that I'm going to keep referring back to that workshop because it's that workshop was one of the most important workshops that answer 90% of the questions that come in. Mm-hmm. It's all revolving around trust. I'm going to quickly go through the comments here. See if there's anything else in here. Uh, someone in the comments here, uh, Jeremy, says, yes, someone reached out yesterday and asked if I'm investing in real estate. <laughs> I mean, all the content that you're putting out, right? All the content you're putting out. And then just now, someone's like, hey, are you investing in real estate? Right? You got you to gotta, you gotta be very consistent every day. And you got to build a plan. In a lot of cases, I mean, your 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 brand, it's just like building a brand in, in business. This is, I don't know how many times I got to say this, but like real estate investing done right, it's a business. You need to treat it like a business. And if you're starting up an ice cream shop, you know what I mean? You can just put ice cream shop out on the billboard out front. You know, you can have your Rocky Road and you can have your cookies and cream and you can have your chocolate mint, you know, ice creams and stuff like that. You can just be a normal ice cream shop or 
you know, you can build a brand as like a high end ice cream shop. You know, I mean, a lot of you guys are in Edmonton. Um, what is that ice cream shop over on White Ave? Someone's going to post in the comments here. There's, there's a few really high end ice cream shops. And I swear to God, every time you go there, there's a huge freaking lineup outside. Is made by Marcus. Okay. Did anyone in the comments get it? No. <clears throat> made by Marcus. Okay. It's uh it's this uh ice cream shop right off of it's like tucked away. If you're on White Ave in uh in Edmonton, uh it's tucked away in like you have to go down like an alley between two buildings, and in that bricked brick alley is every time I've been there is like at least 30 people in line to get this little ice cream shop. Right. For goddamn ice cream, people will literally line up 30 people long to wait for this ice cream. Do you ever see 30 people outside Dairy Queen? No. But they built this brand that, you know, <clears throat> that everybody has to try this ice cream, right? And and a lot, I'm I'm trying to pull up their website to see if I can find out more information about it. But like, a lot of times, it, like their ice cream, it says right on their website, this is no ordinary ice cream shop. Um, this ice cream is built from scratch with dairy from grass fed cows and real ingredients produced by yada yada. Um, we got toasted hay and Saskatoon berry. We got dill pickle peanut butter. What the hell? Sea change prairie fairy. Anyways, like you go there and it's like you get to try all these different things. Malt, malted chocolate honeycomb, lemon curd, sea salt and goat milk, caramel. Goodness gracious. People love coming down here and they love trying out these new things and stuff like that. But anyways, how did they get to a point? How do, how do you get, to, how, how does a stupid little ice cream shop, little trendy ice cream shop become the type of, you know, place that's like extremely profitable where everyone, you know, oh, you're in Edmonton. Oh, you got to go down to, to, to made by Marcus ice cream, right? It's branding. It's business. Okay. So when you're thinking about becoming a real estate investor, how, See, when they were trying to build this whole ice cream thing and they want to be the type of ice cream shop that people line up outside for, I mean, ultimately they could, they could, they could get a bigger location, right? They could get a better location with, with more room, more servers, and, and that would solve that problem. But I think the fact that everybody wants to be there and the fear of missing out and that they're willing to line up for it kind of just kind of creates a stir and an excitement about it, right? And I think they like that. So how do you replicate that with your real estate investing business? How do you get it to a point where people are lined up and they want to invest with you? Get what I'm saying? How do you create a brand that everybody wants to go and, and I mean, did they look at these freaking flavors before they even got there? Tahitian vanilla bean? Duchess Earl Grey and Raspberry Financier. Oh fuck! Sorry. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's like that, that that's branding right there. 
you have to treat you have to treat your real estate investing business just like a normal business. And so we need to reverse engineer it. So you got to think about like who am I trying to attract? Okay. Who is it that I'm trying to attract today? Like who, who's my target joint venture prospect or who's the person that I'm trying to get? Whose attention am I trying to get for um, um, a, sec a second mortgage or, or financing for my fix and flip? Okay. Figure out who that person is and put out marketing specifically to get their attention. Now, word of mouth is, is fantastic. And this ice cream example, obviously, word of mouth has been really fantastic for them. But I'm pretty sure that they've got an Instagram page, which I'm not going to pull up while I'm doing this by myself. But I'm fairly certain they've got an Instagram page where, you know what, fuck it, I am going to do it. People are sharing their stuff. Made by Marcus. Not bad. Yeah, they got quite a few followers. But they, you gotta, you gotta put out marketing to specifically to the people that you're trying to attract. So think about the time you have to think about who it is that you're trying to attract first. Is this someone that has a little bit of money? Is it someone that has a high net worth individual? And keep in mind, there are rules for joint ventures and, and investments and stuff like that, that you need to have an existing relationship with them or they need to be an accredited investor. So you're not just, you know, putting out sponsored ads on Facebook for high net worth individuals. Okay, you need to have an established relationship with them. But think about the, the friends, family, coworkers and stuff that you know that have, you know, a significant amount of savings. Perhaps, you know, they've been thinking about investing, but they're a little scared of it, right? start listing all those people off and start thinking about how can I get marketing out to them specifically? Now we always go back to social media accounts because those are the easiest. They're the freest ways to reach people. It's free, right? So put targeted content out specifically to get their attention, right? That that's how you're going to solve this. Uh, sorry, a 30 minute answer for a, a two second question. But that's how you answer that question right there. You know, what happens to the money I loan to you when you go to bankrupt, go bankrupt. I, I mean, me, I'd be like, do you seriously think I'm going to go bankrupt? Me, I'd be like, if you think I'm going to go bankrupt, I don't think you should be. I definitely don't think you should be doing this deal with me. So you have enough confidence to know that I have someone else come. <laughs> I have enough confidence to know that there's 30 people lined up outside. And if you're not ready, I do not want to be spending the time to build your trust. I mean, I, 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 I could, I could take in, take it into consideration. Okay. What is it specifically that makes you not trust this? What makes you think that I could potentially go bankrupt? I will write that down and I will probably address it going forward with my marketing. Otherwise, I know there's 30 more people outside, right? And I also think that and believe that by me saying, what makes you think that? And I don't think that you should do this if you feel that way. That right there is going to give the confidence that you show right there is going to show them that you have confidence that it's not going to happen, right? But if you sit there and like, uh, well, I mean, uh, 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 um, well, 
it's not really giving them a whole lot of assurance, right? So confidence and a good reputable brand is, is the answer to this question every day, every day. Why is it that some people succeed significantly more than you succeed? Why is it that some people are able to raise money like, like it's nothing and you are, are struggling with it? There it is right there. It's right. It's, it's right there. Some people just appear more confident than you. Doesn't necessarily mean that they are more confident than you. It's just that they said they appear more confident than you. Think about that today. Good morning. Morning. I loved your branding workshop, by the way. I thought it was really, really valuable. So I hear not everybody could join, though. Uh, yeah, it is what it is, right? Life's full of decisions. Um, uh, some are, uh, and some people made a decision not to. I'm not. I'm not trying to be a dick about it. It's just like I. It well, you know, right? You're yeah. a reputable brand, and it's quite clearly working. You're gonna have to stick that phone in your mouth, though. Uh, it basically is. <laughs> um. I was actually having a pretty tough time here yesterday trying to figure out something and kind of hoping you could get your opinion. Sure. Uh, I got a single family home. I'm flipping in Otwell. And the plan was to put a double shower in the upstairs and put a bathtub downstairs. But we're going to be cutting it really close as far as spacing goes. And it's going to cost a few thousand dollars to put an extra uh, bathtub downstairs. Mm-hmm. And it's going to take a couple of weeks to get all the permits in and to cut up concrete and stuff. Mm-hmm. In your opinion, how important is a bathtub in a single family home? I'm going to... Okay, you muted yourself. So that's good. Um, how important is a bathtub? Okay, so you weren't you were not planning on putting a bathtub upstairs. Is that correct? That is correct. Um, uh, okay. Well, thank you. Thank you for calling in with the question. I'm just going to uh, let you disconnect you here. That way it doesn't affect the audio too, too much. But um, I think that it's extremely important. Um, I know I'm fairly certain that you're, the property that you purchased was a buy level. So... <sighs> most families need a bathtub, right? It's, it's, you can't, kids, kids don't use showers, right? It's, so you need a bathtub for kids. So if, you know, you're doing a double head shower there, a dual shower, I mean, it's going to look fantastic for young people. Um, and then it's going to have a huge wow um, factor. However, if a family was to walk into that house, they're going to be like, oh, there's no bathtub, right? Yeah, it's cool. There's two shower heads, but there's no bathtub. And you can't, you know, bathe your newborn. Or if they're thinking about potentially having kids in the next few years, you know, that's something that they're going to notice. Um, if they don't notice, their realtor is probably going to notice and point it out. So I think it is pretty important. Um, if the bathtub was downstairs, I mean, it's better at least there's one there, but typically, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take up, I wouldn't get rid of the, the bathtub upstairs to add the double shower. Uh, 
unless there was another bathroom that you can add the you know a bathtub to upstairs that's just my opinion because what's happening is is that uh by doing that you're eliminating i don't even know how much how many or what percentage of your potential buyers um but a a a, a fraction of your buyers uh, potential buyers are not going to buy your house your nice beautifully renovated house because of that and it's a bit of a risk so you're you're doubling down on uh, on your young couples who have money because it's going to be a high end renovation. So it's going to probably be you know, a little more expensive in a, in, a, in a really nice trendy area. So you're doubling down on on the on the young couples, and it's a, it's a bit of a risk. But I, I do believe that by adding that double shower, you're also and ma- by making it more fancy, that you're able to justify a, a much higher purchase price as well. So I love adding things like that. But at the risk of losing potential buyers, it's it's, it's a tough one. A tough one. But uh, to answer your question about the tub, I do believe that, uh, in my opinion, that every house for a fix and flip, okay, we're not talking about rental properties right now, but for fix and flips, 100%, uh, I, I think that it should always have a tub. But I, I know what you're going through right now with adding a, a bathroom downstairs and a tub. It's uh, it's expensive. Like, you know, um, getting the permits takes time. And then uh, rerouting plumbing and everything else and excavating and, you know, filling concrete. And the, it's, 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 it's quite a bit. Uh, it does cost money. Um, but I, you know what, if, you, if you're, if you're 100% in on the, the, the double shower I, I think it would be important to have a tub downstairs it doesn't cost that much extra for a tub and and shower as opposed to like a um just a stand-up shower it's not that much extra it's like it's it's a few hundred bucks for a tub and a, a plumber is going to get that in there real quickly it's, it's not gonna be that big of a deal and they'll route the you know the plumbing and the handle for the for the shower head as well it's um it's not that bad, but as long as you're, you know, you got to focus on the numbers, right? You got to make sure that the property can handle that, um, that you can afford that. It's in the budget. On the now, if we're talking about tubs for rental properties, yes, yes, every time, yeah, you always need a tub. Same thing, like you know, families need somewhere to wash their babies. It's 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 very important. We got someone trying to call in here. <clears throat> Hey, good morning. Just, uh, I guess, uh, along the topics of tubs, curious how desirable or how much of a return there is in the difference of being able to add a six-foot tub compared to your standard five-foot tub. Uh, how much value difference? Yeah, I guess. Is there is there a value difference? Is it more just a personal desire? Um I know in an older house we added we added a six foot tub. We had the opportunity shorten uh shorten a linen closet and I mean I'm a little taller, my mom's a little taller. It was it was a personal preference for sure, but we have an opportunity to do that in the basement uh at uh one of the two projects here in Otwell and we've kind of just been humming and hawing about it and obviously the first response from the plumber was supply and demand. So might be a little harder to get one in but what's really the return is it 
is it something to be desired and and worth putting in if you have the opportunity uh i i would say honestly uh it's not going to increase the value at all but as you mentioned it will increase desirability um i mean i i think you mentioned it yesterday in the comments i saw it there that you know i i come from the shire so uh I, things like this don't really affect me very much. <laughs> I, everybody else seems tall to me, I think is what you said. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it's totally fine. It's, it's, it's it does the job. Um, but you know, a taller person would definitely see something like that and be like, Ooh, that's nice. Look at this. I can almost yeah. lie down all the way here. <clears throat> so, I mean, uh, it's it's kind of like when you walk into a place and you see a really deep soaker tub, right? It's like, ooh, it's it, it will increase the desirability of that. You know, otherwise, just a normal bathroom. Like, how do you wow someone in a bathroom? Tile, yeah. just tile. That's all it is. Tile and yes. hardware. Otherwise, it's a bathroom. It's kind of like when you walk into a garage. You're like, yep, it's a garage. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's there's no real way to wow someone. So if you you can wow them with a deep tub, that's a great way to do it. A longer tub. I've never seen a six foot tub. I, I wouldn't even know if I would notice it. But an extra foot, I feel like I would. Is it is it noticeable? Uh, I guess when you're in it, <laughs> I've I've uh, seen it in a few. Obviously, we added one, so yeah, mm -hmm. it definitely is when you're in it for sure. So. Okay, but I mean, like when you're walking into a bathroom, do you notice it? Like you would notice a deep a, a deeper tub? Would you see that it was long? You know, I, uh, I, uh, I guess I can't recall. And honestly, I walked through a lot of houses for two years. <laughs> I worked with, I walked through a lot of new houses and to tell you the truth, I can't say that I had many or really any that ever stood out. So yeah, and, not something and I guess a, that really catches your eye. So. And you've got an eye for it, right? You see, you're going to notice things like that because you're, you're like, you're in that trade. So you're going to yeah, notice an extra foot. Um, whereas maybe I wouldn't, right? Um, yes. So and, your standard and... bathroom is five foot wide, and a typical bathroom just has your standard tub at the back of the wall. So mm -hmm. unless you're getting into a unique layout, it it really is just the norm. That's your standard. So. So it's uh, it's it's if it's going to be hardly noticeable for a fix and flip, I would say no. Then you know what I mean, unless. It was part of your marketing, you know what I mean? If this is a rental property for tall people, um, <laughs> maybe your target tenant, you know, is, is, is tall people, then I would put it in my marketing, in my ad, my listing to say that there's a six foot tub and then someone who's tall is going to be like, oh, perfect. I've been looking for a six foot tub. This is amazing, right? Otherwise, you're spending extra for something that someone's probably not even going to notice until they move in and on a fix and flip. It, you kind of lose the value of that if they don't notice until the first time they take a bath because they've already paid you. Right. So it, yeah, it's uh, I mean, I think it's a cool thing to have maybe for your own home, but for a fix and flip, just keep it simple. I think just focus on the things that really get people's attention and get the most value. Fair enough. Yeah. Easy answers. Yeah. Well, more or less. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Thanks for calling anybody. Appreciate it. Um, Carlos in the comments, uh, said here, uh, a nice surround, it's a tile surround would have a better ROI than an extra foot of tub. 
yeah, it's, it's, um, even just adding in like the black trim, you know what I mean? The black Schluter as opposed to the cheaper Chrome Schluter, um, adds, it adds a little bit of contrast. It, 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 there's, there's not, otherwise there's not much you can really do in a bathroom to impress people. Um, the vanity maybe like double sink. Ooh, double sink. Ooh, deep tub. Ooh, look at that mirror. Uh, you're kind of limited, but you know, those are areas that you need to make sure that you focus on. So focus on the, getting the tile right and focus on, you know, having a good mirror or light fixture. Um, otherwise someone's going to look in there really quickly and go, eh, it's a bathroom. And they walk right back out. Right. And you just wasted a bunch of money on, you know, they didn't even notice the extra foot of tub. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, back on the topic of the of the of the tub and the double shower though i mean we like jeremy knows that we did a we did a dual head uh um shower uh, on our saint albert flip there uh which sell uh which is officially sold today i think they're getting keys in about six hours all done today uh that one there we had an ensuite that uh was big enough to we could reconfigure and add that in there and we did it in an ensuite and then the main bath off the hallway that one there had a tub so we had a little bit of flexibility with that one um and even you know another one we're we're buying in uh gold bar right now which ironically was which was assigned to us by jeremy um that one there we're we're taking out one of the, the three bedrooms on the main floor and we're adding, uh, we're adding an ensuite to the master where we're going to have, um, its own tub, like a, like a, like, what do you call it? Not, a, not like a clawfoot tub, but Gabby would know better than me. And then as well, a stand up shower. So we're gonna have a nice big ensuite that's going to have, you know, a walk-in closet and also, you know, a tub and a stand up shower. It's going to look really nice. Plus, off the hallway, we're still going to have the tub, you know, shower combo and, you know, vanity and everything else. So, uh, but we're giving up a, a, a bedroom to do that. And it's a bit of a risk, uh, but in that particular area, and, and the same thing as Otwell, because Otwell's pretty close. I feel like those particular areas are trendy and younger families are looking for stuff like that, where you can, you can take the risk of removing the third bedroom, which is pretty desirable and important for a, a family. You can take that risk to to turn it into a really nice um, ensuite, which uh, I, I don't know much about the details of your property, but if you've got the third bedroom, Jeremy, I would recommend getting rid of one of the bedrooms and adding it as a, an ensuite and then do your fancy double shower in there. That way you can still keep the main bath with the tub. And I believe, again, I've only just seen pictures, uh, a few, couple pictures. I'm pretty sure you got a buy level. So you probably have enough room for two bedrooms downstairs as well, which is what we're doing as well. So we have two bedrooms up and two bedrooms down, which kind of makes it hard for like a young family who has like two kids under five. You know what I mean? That's, they're not going to want to put their babies in the basement, you know, all the, that far away. Um, so it's a bit of a risk in that respect. But if you've got the buy level, I, I would recommend doing that instead. I think that uh, that's going to, that's going to free up all that space that you need and solve your problem. 
Oh, it's only two bedrooms upstairs. Okay. Shit. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't think you want to do one bedroom upstairs with a large ensuite. That's going to really eliminate your prospects. Under 1,000 square feet as well. Ah, yeah. It's a, it's okay. It's one of the smaller by levels. I have two, that have two bedrooms upstairs. Yeah, that one's, um, that one's gonna be a little difficult, but I mean, maybe do the, the double shower downstairs instead. Keep the main bath as, you know, a tub shower combo and do a fancy, do the, the fancy double shower downstairs. It's still going to have the same effect, right? And there isn't enough room downstairs. Oh, jeez. Well, uh, to be honest, maybe maybe you're not doing the double shower. Just focus on the kitchen and the curb appeal, and and making sure that the bathroom that's already existing there, the tub shower, is it looks really good. It's gonna be a tough one. I mean, with with the lack of square footage, it's uh, trying to cram that in there is gonna be a real pain in the butt. And is it gonna be worth it? I'm interested to see though. It looks like. Um, you were planning a uh, a meetup there in uh, was it tomorrow at your fix and flip. I love doing podcasts by myself and talking to myself. <laughs> yes, Jeremy's doing a fix and flip meetup tomorrow. Um, I don't think I'm available to go uh, tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow is. Uh, let me check my calendar real quickly. Good morning. Morning. How's everybody? Good, man. How are you? I'm good. Um, I just had a comment about the uh, the bathtub shower conversation as well. I remember mm -hmm. there was a flip that uh, was done maybe a year ago, roughly, that Calvin sold, and it took a little while to sell. And one of the main feedback that he told me regarding that one is the people that did it they put up uh, put in a big uh, stand-up shower upstairs mm -hmm. and then a nice big soaker tub downstairs and apparently even that was um, common feedback from potential buyers uh, was the the lack of the tub upstairs interesting so, yeah do you remember do you remember which area it was in or what neighborhood uh, gold bar capilano area interesting even there huh yeah. it, it it's it's a risk and and it was it was actually calvin that told me about this idea of removing a bedroom to add an ensuite i'm like dude are you crazy i mean like you don't have kids you can't say things like <laughs> that if you don't have kids like it's i mean it, it doesn't make a huge difference for me personally but like you know i i uh, uh, if Gabby were here, she'd be like, oh, 100%, you need it, 100%. So, um, you know, I'm not saying it's only moms that think that way, but a lot of parents think that way. And if they're planning on buying their forever home, they're going to be considering stuff like that. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. Okay, well, that's, that's good feedback. Thank yeah. you. I mean, it's, so it's, I just thought I'd add that as well. Just, yeah, it seems like a common thing, right, where, where at least a tub upstairs yeah seems to be the the common thing for fix and flips absolutely for a reason yeah yeah well thanks so much for calling in man appreciate it okay yeah no problem 
what the hell am I going to call this episode today? I have to title this. <laughs> I mean, when it comes to like search engine optimization and you're trying to think about like something that like, like, let's say, for example, you found this podcast for the first time. Um, someone said, oh, you got to listen to the Real Estate Investing Morning Show. You know, you can call in, ask questions for free, and they give away free coaching calls every month. It's amazing. And then you come in here and like you start scrolling through. You think someone's going to click on the one that says, should I get a five foot tub or a six foot tub? <laughs> no one's ever going to click on this episode. It's going to be like the worst performing. There's some good, valuable, uh, you know, information in this, in this episode, but I have no idea what I'm going to title an episode like this, but if you guys do know, put in the comments below. I'm quite curious as to what you think I should call it. <laughs> um, speaking of the comments, uh, Josh here said, uh, speaking of fix and flip meetups, I'm going to drive down to Calgary for Jared's. Um, He's going to be driving his van from Edmonton to Calgary. I have five more spots if anyone is interested in tagging along. Uh, that fix and flip meetup, I believe, is on July 30th, which I will be there as well. Um, so definitely, um, uh, definitely, you should be attending that as well if you guys are in the Calgary area or if you want to drive down for the day. Uh, from Edmonton. That's going to be pretty cool. Uh, what else we got in the comments here? Oh, Jeremy gave me a good... Uh, 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 title for the podcast. It's going to be Branding in Bathtubs. Branding in Bathtubs. Still, uh, oh, ice cream promo. Yeah, ice cream, uh, tubs, uh, uh, Carlos is being a stinker. Uh, Jesus, Murphy. Um, yeah, I don't know what I'd title an episode like this. Uh, it, well, yeah, we talked about ice cream, branding, and uh, and bathtubs. I mean, I, I, it's, it's, it's hilarious. Um, I love it when people are like, Oh wow, you do a podcast every day. Like what, don't you run out of things to talk about? <laughs> no, you'd be surprised. I really have no idea what I'm going to be talking about every morning when I wake up. And some days we just go down rabbit holes of ice cream, bathtubs and branding, ice cream, bathtubs and brand. No, still, still, but you know, let's, let's go back to branding for the last minute and a half here before I finish up. I, I really want you guys to, I, I, that's what I want you guys to remember at the end of this. I don't want you to remember bathtubs. Fuck the bathtubs. What I want to stick with you today is, is really being intentional about your marketing. Okay. I want you to really think about why it is that you're doing what you're doing. What do you, what outcomes need, do you need to achieve in order to get to your goals? What outcomes need to happen before you will reach your goal? And then look at those outcomes and then break it down. Who do I need to attract in order to achieve these outcomes? And then target your marketing to those people. It's not just about putting out a, 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 a one social media. Okay, I'll do I'll do three social media posts every week. I'll start with three. No, you'll do as many as it takes to get the outcome that you need. And if the outcome is getting a joint venture partner 
who looks like this and is, you know, that loves six foot bathtubs and loves made by Marcus ice cream and has $300,000 worth of equity in their primary residence that they can pull out through a HELOC. And all of your marketing should be about bathtubs, ice cream, six foot bathtubs, ice cream, and joint venture education. That's all your content should be. Six foot bathtubs, ice cream, and joint venture education. Okay. Is it starting to make sense? about like how, how you need to be intentional with your marketing. If you, if you owned an ice cream shop and you hired a marketing director, you know, what do you want them to put out? Do you want them just to take one picture a day? No, you want them to, you want them to, to use all of that education that, you know, that they got from their degree and you want them to get as many people in the door as possible. So you got to think about what's going to get people in the door. What's, what is going to convince people to line up 30 fucking people long for Chinook honey, apricot, lavender pint? (laughs) You get what I'm saying? Dill pickle, peanut butter, fried chicken and waffles, ice cream. Who in the hell is going to line up 30 people long for that? Right? Marketing is key, guys. Okay, that's it for today. Um, me, I, what is today? What do I got going on? I don't think I have anything in the calendar. No, I got a pretty easy day today, actually. Gonna maybe help Gabby with some taxes, but uh, let's see how Gabby's doing first. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, I'm, I'm assuming she's still hurting. But um, I guess what I'm going to be working on for the next little while is trying to figure out what the title this uh, this darn episode. Hope you guys have an awesome Thursday, and we will see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Real Estate Investing Morning Show. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Interested in being a guest on the show? Send us an email to info at reimorningshow.com. 